The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. Now, 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 that that don't kill me. Can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now. Cause I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now. Cause I can't get much stronger. Man, I've been waiting all night now. That's how long I've been on ya. Oh yes, you know, if you hear that music, it's time for this show, and this show is Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I am in Phoenix, living like it matters. Of course, I am back from the Super Bowl. Hell of a game. Hell of a game. Again, I remain uh, very proud of the young fellows, the way they play ball today. Gave you your money's worth, and history took place. The largest TV audience of all time for anything. Super Bowl 44. I'll tell you what else took place. Some history took place at the Hyatt downtown in Miami as well, where we hosted the 10th anniversary of the Player Network event. It was an outstanding event. Guide Troop and Troop 21 again continued to do a great job 10 times in a row. And we were um, broadcasting live. Where many players were there, more than I can count. I've been hit in my head entirely uh, too many times. But there were many players that were there. And and you got a chance to uh, hear from those here on the network. Uh, and I was proud that they were there in attendance and setting an example for those who are interested in media, uh, what the opportunity could present for themselves. Of course, we had uh, uh, double time with Double D. Dave Dorson was there. Kwame Lasseter Sports, Kwame was there. Uh, the man who, of course, from the very beginning, who's been with us, uh, Lemont Williams from uh, Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams, who was there all week long. That's right, Voice America Sports was live at the Super Bowl, providing insightful information as to what was participating, what was happening at the time, what was going on real time. And we were, we were getting that information and giving that information to you, to the entire world, from Lemont Williams, from outside the huddle with Lemont Williams right here on Voice America Sports. Uh, as I said, Kwame was there. Nick Murphy was there. Murphy's Law. We appreciate Nick being there. And, of course, 88, the tight end. That's my man Dez Clark. Man, but Dez, come on, man. Dez was there doing a great show and 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 fresh wasn't there, and Scudder wasn't there, and I and, and everybody wanted to talk to Scudder because he said if he wasn't quarterbacking, he had to have Peyton Manning quarterbacking, and I don't think him or Peyton showed up because neither one of them wanted to take the blame for throwing that interception, and I know that wasn't what cost the game, but I will say that's what lost the game. <laughs> so. uh you know, Des, shout out to you and your people, man. You know, we just really appreciate everything that you do here on the network and, and bringing that information uh, from a player that's in the game today. And and we certainly appreciate that. Uh, there were just so many people there. Uh, Lisa from The Secret, the lady who, who wrote The Secret, 
uh, was there and sharing information with, with, with all those who inspire all those players who are preparing for their transition and, and other corporate people that was there. I, I want to shout out to uh, Bank of America, my bank, uh, of which uh, they were there. Uh, and again, Guy Troop, they just, his staff, they just did a tremendous job. I hope I'm not forgetting anybody uh, that was there in terms of players uh, that were a part of Voice America Sports. Again, Kwame Lasseter was there. Uh, Dave Dorson was there. Nick Murphy was there. Uh, Lemon Williams was there. And uh, if I forgot you, blame it on the head, not on the heart, because you know we've been hit in the head too many times. But I tell you who was there, big fella was there. Big fella, uh, Lionel Dalton was there. Lionel, one of them big D tackles, man, that, that played the game for many years, eight, nine years, maybe t- close to ten years in the league. And uh, Lionel, of course, was a teammate with, when he was with the Ravens uh, with Nick Murphy. And Lionel is with me now, so we can talk a little bit about some things. Big fella, how you doing there? I'm doing great. How you doing this after this evening? Man, it's, it's evening there for you. See, you're there on the East Coast still. We out here in Phoenix, Arizona. And that just shows you how that technology works. You can be any place in the world, and right here on Voice America Sports, we can still bring them some information. So the aftermath of the Super Bowl, has everybody left town? Because and, and, I know there's a big party going on in New Orleans. Yeah, I think all the, I think the New Orleans fans sit out here drinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great experience. Um, I had a good time at the Super Bowl. Um, pretty much South Beach looks like Bourbon Street, uh, Bourbon Street, New Orleans. Wow. And um, I was proud of those guys. I wanted New Orleans to win, actually. Um, if I had to pay my money, I would have rolled with Peyton Manning. But, you know, it was a good thing and a good thing for the city. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, before we get into that, I, what I want to talk about is the fact that I appreciate, again, uh, Lionel, you are one of those athletes uh, who played the game, came out to the Player Network event. Uh, why don't you give you know those out there who are listening a little bit of perspective of what that Player Network event was all about and how you spent your time there and, and, and what you walked away for? Well, it was a lot of different services there. You know, we had people there who was willing to write resumes for players. People were looking for players to, uh, you know, working for their particular companies. Got to network with a lot of other players in their businesses. Um, I think as NFL players, sometimes we lead the game and we don't come back and network and do business with the guys who also play the game. And um, I thought it was a great event. Um, I've been there for the last two years. I've made a lot of different contacts, and I've done a few business deals. And I love that event, and I, hope, and I will be there next year. And what I like about, you know, football, and I, I've shared this with many people, is football is is a fraternity, and, and so is the other sports as well. But sometimes in football you may find yourselves on different teams. And so you have fraternity brothers throughout the entire league. We all are but a little closer with the guys that you play with. And you obviously played on, on three or four different teams there. So explain how that works when you go someplace and you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time, and they too are at the Player Network event. Yeah, it was nice, man. It was like seeing your cousin you haven't seen, like, all summer, you know, for two or three years. You know, I've had played with a lot of those guys. We played in the trenches together. We um, went to training camp together. You know how that is. Um, and um, it was just nice to see everybody's people doing well, people's healthy, everybody has their own businesses. Because, you know, a lot of us, you know, 70% of us, they say, you know, end up broke. So it was nice to see guys doing positive stuff in the community. A lot of guys doing a lot of non-profit stuff, which I was proud to see. And um, it was just a great event, man. It was like a reunion for me because I played on so many teams, so I knew just about everybody in the room. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a couple teams that you played on that I, I ain't got a whole lot of love for, you know, and I'm... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> because I'm going to tell who's you, man. That? Who's that? Well, I, like. Okay, well, Lionel, uh, for one, you, you spent some time in Denver. And, you know, I finished my career with the Browns. And, and you know, this is before your time. But the drive and the fumble, man, we can't ever get over that. In uh, you know, a good friend of mine, Ernest, um, um, Ernest Biner. Oh, yeah. Well, see, and again, that wasn't Ernest's fault. I mean, he happened to fumble the ball. And they, they, they tagged the game to fumble. But we would have never been in a position to even be where we were in terms of an opportunity win had it not been for Ernest. So, I've, and I've said that on my Facebook. I want the world to know that. But, but of course, you know, the boss you work for there in, in Baltimore, Ravens, you know, Ozzie Newsom. Ozzie was a part of that team with us. And, and I like the Ravens now. It's taken me a little bit of time to have some type of affinity for the Ravens. But, you know, that was the Cleveland Browns that left town. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and then, of course, you spend that time with the Washington Redskins and, you know, my days with the Eagles. So, you know, that, that rivalry with the Eagles and the Redskins, man, that, that's kind of tough. But I will say this. You were in Kansas City. And, and talk to me a little bit about, see, because I know him as a friend and as a teammate, Herman Edwards. Talk to me about Herman as a coach. Herman Edwards, he was either you was one of his boys or you wasn't. You wow. know, um, he was uh, he was a players coach. You know, practice was pretty cool. Um, he didn't work us too hard, but um, you know, I, I wasn't one of his boys. You know, well, you know, some coaches have their prototype guy. No matter how good you are, they want this. You know, they got the the pitch in the head of the guy they wanted in that position. So my experience in Kansas when Herman got there wasn't the best, but I I think he would have been made a great teammate. Well, you, uh, if I'm not mistaken, what you spent two or three years in Kansas City. Yeah, Herm was in my last year. Right. So I was with Dick Vermeil for three, for for two and a half, and then my fourth year, I started with the Kansas City, and then Herm traded me mid-season. Well, you know, Dick actually drafted me, and so you know, you, you got that old school coach with Dick Vermeil, but uh, you know, Dick, Dick, Dick will probably go down. I don't. He may, he may come up as a Hall of Fame candidate. He went to two Super Bowls. He got a chance to win one, and very few coaches have taken two different teams. I mean, there's a number of them, but not a whole lot of taking two different teams uh, to the Super Bowl, and he won one, and he lost one. So talk a little bit about Dick Vermeil. I love Dick Vermeil. I mean, he worked us like some Hebrew slaves. <laughs> I mean, three-hour practices, but he was the only coach out of my coaches that invited me over to his house for dinner. His wife actually cooked for us, and he we got to sit down and speak with him and meet him as a person outside of just being a coach. And he's very personal, well, very approachable, and he's probably my favorite coach off the field. And I'm going to tell you why Dick Vermeil was a successful coach he was when he came back his second time around because Dick took time out because he said he was burnt out and I was a part of that team that he left during that time of he needed to get away from the game and uh -huh. I think he I think he stepped back from the game and it's one of those things where as you know what would I do different if I had another chance to do it he stepped away from the game and he was given the opportunity to come back to the game and he came back to the game his second time and he did he did everything right that he said he would do and he got him you know what uh, what they call it now, the greatest show on turf, and he got that Super Bowl, you know. Yeah. And then came into Kansas City, and you guys went to the playoffs too, am I right? Yeah, we went to the playoffs. You know, we did. A, he did a great job, man. He worked, we worked hard. We played hard. I think the big thing with Dick Vermeil teams was chemistry. You know, he got a bunch. He he recruited guys that were easy to get along with. I can't say there's one guy on the team that when I was there with him that I didn't get along with, and we didn't. You know, it was it was great chemistry on the team. We loved playing for each other. It was a great experience. You know, I worked hard. He probably took a year off my career because he worked so hard, but I enjoyed I enjoyed the experience. Now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but when you were there, uh, Joe and Marcus were gone by then. Is that right? Marcus who? Marcus Allen. 
Yeah, Marcus was gone. Yeah, you talking about Joe Montana, Marcus? Yeah, they were gone. Yeah, they they have been gone, and those are the guys that I think that he inherited when he first got there. Because of course, you know him, him and Carl Peterson, they're boys from way back in the day. Yeah, like, I know. And uh, Bill Walsh, all three of those guys. There you from, go. Back in UCLA days, you know those yeah. guys spent, spent time. Didn't they, they create the West Coast offense? Is that true or no? Well, yeah. Well, there there was a a coach that was involved uh, way back when, <laughs> you know, when uh, when Dick was in college, and uh, he is the person that they give credit to uh, for the West Coast offense. And it's kind of slipping my mind, but you know, we're gonna have to take a break. When you hear some music, that means we're gonna take a break. But we're gonna take a break, and I might be able to think about who that coach was at that time uh, because it's a funny story, man. Dick had a nephew on the team who actually took a dead bird. And was chasing old old coach around with the dead bird, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> but maybe I remember his name. But I tell you what, you just hold on, Alana. We're gonna finish. We're gonna talk about the game a little bit, man, because the D tackled, man. I think it was one sack in the Super Bowl. We're gonna talk about that. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got the big fella with me, Lionel Dalton. We're gonna take a break, and we'll be right back after this message. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely despise her especially at one to two and it's anything but the same old horse racing show this is a nine horse field but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras playing to win with andy serling a show seriously committed to making more money at the game but with a personality this is a dunce cap horse for me if this horse wins next week i got the dunce cap on you bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form look for it the day before big race days mostly fridays find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you bet.com Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, the fellas taking care of me. They're giving me some new beats. This is the Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Got one of the big fellas with me. Lionel Dalton and uh, Lionel, I appreciate it. First of all, I want to thank uh, one of our uh, folks out there that really took care of us, uh, gave us a nice little package that we could uh, give away at the Player Network event, and that is the Shores in Daytona Beach. Uh, Lionel, you ever got a chance to get down to the Shores, man? Outstanding resort. You ever been down that way yet? Never been there. Well, we're going to have to see if we can take care of you. We're going to have to send one of the big fellas down there, and, and, and he also provide his review, but it's an outstanding place. Uh, uh, several people have let us know that without a doubt it is the place to be. So we're going to see if we can uh, hook you up as well, go down there and do a nice weekend, about maybe a three-day, two-night uh, stay, and then come back and report. But uh, thank you to our friends out there uh, at the shores in Daytona Beach. But as I said before we left, man, I, I, you know, going into this game, I think we all knew, Lionel, that this Super Bowl game was probably going to be more about passing than than anything else. But they always say that the pass – the run sets up the pass, but that's not necessarily the belief of these two teams. So I was anticipating that perhaps maybe somebody might be able to get to one of the quarterbacks. But if I'm not mistaken, I'm sure you watched it from a, a D-tackle perspective. Were, were they, what was the key that they were, they were protecting those quarterbacks, man? I mean, they were doing a good job, but it would allow us the quarterback's release. Those guys, they were getting rid of the ball. Um, Freeney, he put pressure, but they rolled, you know, they rolled two guys, so he was getting double teamed the whole day. You know, and I know he was beat up. You think he had, um, a turf tour or something before the game. Um, but, uh, I think it was just great blocking. Offensive line played. I think Feeney was double teamed just about every play. And, um, I'm surprised the defensive tackles on the coast didn't have more pressure than they did because Feeney was, he was drawing a double team, sometimes even a triple team on some, on some plays. And for some reason they couldn't, they couldn't get pressure up the middle. Okay. Now, Lana, I, I will say this, man. You know, if, if you're going to give credit to one, then that means that that the others perhaps maybe didn't have a good day. Okay, so I'm going to say that maybe the D tackles, the D line, period. You know, and, and even linebackers when they were blitzing and, and safeties, they weren't able to get. I think there was one sack all day. Does that? Does that? I mean, you, you gave the credit to the quarterbacks for the quick release, but you also have to give some credit to the offensive line. Am I right? Yeah, you definitely got to give some credit to the offensive line. But um, I think more of the Saints' offensive line. See, the um, Colts' offensive line, you know, they, they're they they're small guys. And Peyton Manning, he likes to do a lot of things out of shotgun. And he's really, he gets, he's, he's well at getting rid of the ball just before the sack gets there, just before the, the pressure gets there. So I'll give more credit to the Saint New York, uh, the, the New Orleans Saints' offensive line than I would the Colts. Now, as 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 a defensive lineman getting ready to play in the most important game in your life, the Super Bowl, and right. you, and you know you're playing with two quarterbacks that you know they got three step read and they're getting rid of the ball. I mean, can you really get up and 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 emotionally prepared and ready to go and play in a game like that, knowing that chances are I, I'm not gonna get anywhere near the quarterback. The thing, like playing against the Peyton Manning, one, one drill we would practice before playing the Peyton Manning, get, get, get up in there, get your hands up. Maybe you might bat a ball, chip drill or something, because you know he's going to get rid of the ball. So it was more like get as much pressure as you can as soon as you see him ready to release the ball. Get up in there, maybe you'll bat the ball, you can just, you know, you know, get in his view, block, you know, block a pass or whatever. 
Now, okay, now we educating these folks out here now that's listening to the show. Now, you, you talked about that in terms of, so in terms of production from a defensive line perspective, getting your hands up and getting a batted ball is viewed as production when the coaches are doing their evaluation and assessment of, of your performance in the game. Yes, definitely. And I think they just started giving credit to that like five years ago because hurry now. Hurry's are not stat. I don't know when you play, but hurry's probably wasn't even a stat when you play. Now you can, you know, a player, they got tackles, sacks, and hurries. You know, so that's, that is productive and, um, that is, you know, it does help. It does, it can change the flow of the game, the pressure you put on the quarterback. And, and see, that, that is, that is so important for so many people. That's why I, I just try to tell everybody I possibly can. You need to listen to Voice America Sports because you get it from a player's perspective. You find out what motivates the player and what the incentives are for a player because I can tell you, you're exactly right. Hurries did not exist when I played. I retired in 89. So listen, hurries didn't exist. So now I see the big fellows getting off the ball. They trying to get off that ball fast. They get in the backfield. They got the quarterback throw. And, and, and let me, and in your opinion, do you ever does it ever come into question if you should get credit for a hurry or not? Or, or are they pretty lenient with okay, we'll give you that as a hurry? Um, definitely. I've made a career of hurries. You know, I didn't have a lot of tackles, a lot of sacks, but what I was good at is getting five yards penetration in the back for every time. And you know, if you create penetration call for forces the running back to maybe cut early, might force the quarterback to throw a little sooner than he expected. So it definitely changes the uh, the outlook of the game and it can also be very effective. Well, let, let me say this. Now, you, you talk about changing uh, a running back's direction. You know, you got a guy like Reggie Bush, you know, and one thing that I think about Reggie Bush. Now, I think Reggie yesterday, he, Reggie may have had like 50 yards or something like that, but but one thing for sure, uh, no, I'm sorry, Reggie had 25 yards, but he had five yards of carry. Reggie Bush is one of those kind of players that whenever Reggie touches the ball, you know, that term that we use, you know, converge, everybody converge on the ball because, he, he, you know, Reggie going to put a move maybe on that first man. And that move he puts on that first man might run him right into that second man. So, for D-line, are you trying to get upfield, you know, make tackles, get around the ball, you stand at home. What are you guys trying? What's the mindset of a defensive lineman going into the game, you're playing against somebody like Reggie Bush? From a defensive um, tackle standpoint, we want to get as much penetration as possible, force Reggie to make that first cut sooner than he expected, and hopefully our linebacker can come clean him up. And, 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 and you, know, you know, back in my day, we played, I mean, we were notorious. And when I say notorious, Marion Campbell did an outstanding job as Dick Vermeil's defensive coordinator, and we ran the three-four. So I know that if you're running that three-four, and you, you got to have a, a hellified nose tackle too, yeah, who, who's doing a good job and and getting that penetration too. But the, how how do the linemen feel when you run the defense and you know your primary job might be? to keep people off of the linebackers so they can make all the tackles. How, how do you feel about it? you ever been in a position I like mean, running? It was tough for me at first. I had to do that with Baltimore for Ray Lewis. But you start, you, start, you start to get in the mindset of an offensive lineman. You know, offensive lineman, they don't make touchdowns. They block. They push, you know. So you start to get in that mindset. You know? So if you see, you, if you do your job and you see your linebacker, he got he was able to scrape and make the tackle, I celebrate. You know, I'm excited because I did my job. Nobody touched Ray. Ray made the tackle in the back before loss. And it's, you have to be more of a team oriented player to play that position. Okay, man, let's get a little bit into the game then. Uh, you know, you, you say you watched the game. Of course, you know, me and you, we were hanging out at the Player Network event. The game was the next day. Uh, we got a chance to, to go to an uh, NFL alumni party. And I know you were someplace else because I didn't see you there at the alumni party. But let me just ask you this, man. 
the most watched television event in history. Obviously, that's good for the game. How does that make you feel as a player to know that you were part of something that, you know, as time goes on, people continue to want more and more and more of this game, and particularly the Super Bowl game? I'm just excited, you know. So I can say I was a part of that. You know, I won one Super Bowl, so I can say I've been there, done that. And it's, I mean, it's exciting to see a league, you know, that's, you know, especially for the guys that came before me, to see a league that started off, wasn't that popular, and now it's, it's huge. I, it, it feels great to be a part of that fraternity, to say I was a part of that, and I helped build that league. And, you know, I'm just, I'm proud, you know. I'm proud of my accomplishments. I'm proud that I got to play in the NFL for as long as I did. And, uh, and, you, and you talked about that, and that's why I wanted to talk about that, because I think you guys won that Super Bowl and what was it, uh, 2001? Yeah, 2000, Super Bowl 35. Right, okay. It was, and, 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 and talk a little bit about that because I'm sure as you saw the celebration for the Saints, that had to just, you've been there, you've done that, you had to feel a little bit of yourself in that moment as well. Yeah, I get the goosebumps. You know, I get goosebumps for every, you know, especially the Super Bowl. When I see the guys come out the tunnel, I try to envision, you know, how it was for me, how I felt at that moment. And I just, I relive, every time I watch Super Bowl, I relive that moment, you know, and, um, it's a great feeling. You know, I miss the game. I wish I could still play, but I'm, right now I can't. But, um, you know, it's, it's nice to, um, you know, I live through the guys that are playing now, because I still know some guys that are playing. They still know some guys that are coaching. So I kind of just live through those guys and, um, I celebrate, you know, I enjoy it, you know, I enjoy watching the game, I enjoy football, it's a bit, it was a big part of my life, and uh, I enjoyed the, watching the game. There you go, Dalton, I heard I heard you say that was uh, 2000, what year was that for you? Uh, that was my third year in the league when I, I won. And so you get to win in your third year, and of course you played nine, so you always chasing that that Super Bowl again, and and how, yeah. how how was that chase? How was that chase, man? Because the chase was fun, you know. I think I went to the playoffs twice the next six years of my career. So it's tough once you you know you, when you get there, you got to treasure that moment because a lot of people don't make it. A lot of guys, I know a lot of guys say twelve, thirteen years never been in the playoffs. Yeah, you know? I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I played seven years, and, and I, I just thank God I was I was in uh, three playoffs of my seven years and two AFC Championship games. You know, and and the thing about it, that AFC Championship game probably is the most frustrating game of all that I ever played in my life. Those two, because you are so close. I mean, I can right. imagine getting to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure I would walk away from the Super Bowl. And we're going to talk a little bit about this because there's. A question I want to ask you later, but I'm I, I so I'm sure I would walk away disappointed if I didn't win the championship. If I didn't get the championship ring, I got the conference ring. But it does say something just to be there because I don't even know. I can't imagine really because there's nothing like it in the world what it feels like to be a part of it. And then you won it, dog. You won it, man. That that's real big. Yeah, it was a great experience. I loved it. I remember. Um, now I remember the confetti. I'm just you know I remember just, it's like. Kind of like when you're a kid, you dream of that moment. So I was sitting there, and it was like, you know, it's really happening. You know, like you have to pinch myself. Like, I really just won the Super Bowl. You know, you don't, and I don't think it really sinks, it didn't really sink in until after I got the ring. Like, damn, I'm really the Super Bowl champion, you know? Wow. And so it was um, a great experience. I got to admit, I was exhausted, because that's a long, that's an extra four games. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I wouldn't change the, I wouldn't change the experience or anything. It what? was great. I had fun. My family was there. My kids got to see, you know, my kids got to see it. And there's um, lifelong memories that I'm going to have to cherish forever. Yeah, so when you saw Drew with his son with those earphones on and the headphones yeah. on to protect yeah. his ears, he, he, that moment resonated with you as well. 
Yeah, I had my son. He was about the exact same age at the time that we won. And, um, exactly, you know, it was, it was good. It gave me goosebumps. You know, my son watched it and, he, you know, he was, it was, it was exciting. It was exciting to see it. I was proud of the Saints and, um, Every year, you know, I, I enjoy watching the Super Bowl. Well, I tell you what, we're gonna take a break, and we, you gonna stay with me, dog, because we're gonna talk some more about this. Of course, uh, you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm listening. To, well, I'm here. You're listening to a good friend of mine, Lionel Dalton, Super Bowl champion. I like to say it like that. We're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. I'm about to go and then you know for me to stay here. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, is here for you, the fan, to hear about and discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports. We'll discuss not only the headliners, but you'll hear some of the smaller stories that don't usually make it on the sports wires today. It's a forum for the sports fan, hosted by Joe Cribbs, a three-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. Joe is a 10-year pro football veteran, a former Southeastern Conference most valuable player, and a member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Discuss the topics with Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, I got that music. That must mean I'm a I'm back. Yeah, we back. All right. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. 
I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Of course, I got the big fella with me, uh, Lionel Dalton. And uh, Lionel, you down there in Miami, and you enjoying the good weather too, man. But as we uh, as we went to, to the break, you know, we were talking about, of course, the greatest game ever, uh, Super Bowl. Each one of them is the greatest game ever. But they were trying to measure up. And, and, and the last three have been very, very exciting games, you know. And, of course, uh, uh, the last year's game was the Steelers against the Cardinals. Before yeah. that, it was the Giants and the Patriots. And then this one. And, and there were a couple plays in each one of those games that really made it, you know, stand out. They were extremely significant. Uh, of course, uh, the Steelers, you know, it was a game-winning touchdown. Uh, with the Giants, of course, you know, it was a catch to, to extend the play so the Giants can go down and 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 get that touchdown drive you know and and for the saints it was the onside kick you know can can you say or in your mind is any game better than i mean greater than the other you know because of course there are some that were terrible games but then you get very competitive games like this is it is it fair to say one game was the greatest game or well, how do you feel because i know it I don't care if you blew any if you blew the team out. When you guys beat the Giants, you guys were happy. So to you, it was the greatest game of your life. But yeah, I can I, I mean, from a fan's perspective, my Super Bowl probably was boring because it was all defense. You know, it wasn't a lot of scoring. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I don't think there is the greatest game. You know, my one of my favorite ones was the Giants Patriots game because everybody just knew the Patriots were going to win. And um, the way the Giants came out, and they um, they, I, I'm I always root for the underdog. I'm an underdog guy, so. Whoever is supposed to lose, that's what I'm rooting for, and I always, I always like when underdog, underdog wins. So when Santonio Holmes caught that touchdown pass from 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 Big Ben last year, and the Cardinals lost, of course, uh, you were hoping that the Cardinals would have won that game. I was cheering for the Cardinals. Yes, I was cheering for the Cardinals. But I, but I see, I was it was because Charlie Batch is like my, he's my frat brother. He's like one of my best friends. So I was, I was, I was drawn between the Pittsburgh and um, Arizona, but I was secretly cheering for Arizona. Now, I ain't going to ask you, you say he's your frat brother. I'm not going to go there and ask you, you know, because if, if you didn't say he was a man of Omega, then I don't even want to talk about it. Now, and you didn't say that, so. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so I won't let that go. We're going to go past that. We ain't pushing okay, nobody yeah, here. But, okay. <laughs> but let, me, let me ask you a question, though, man. When, I, when, you, when you look at those games, man, you know, that, that New England game. Now, I, I want to spend probably the entire segment on this thing because New England went into a Super Bowl possibly you know with the opportunity to match the Miami Dolphins with an undefeated season and a Super Bowl championship but but they didn't get that and but and so they came out and they still had a, a season and they only lost one game but if that one game you lose is the Super Bowl, going undefeated during the regular season means absolutely nothing. And I and my question to you is, even if you go undefeated throughout the regular season, which if I'm not mistaken, that's what the New England Patriots did, right. but they lost the Super Bowl championship. People are trying to beat up the, the Indianapolis Colts because they for they, you know they decided to forgo an undefeated season to win the Super Bowl, but. I mean, look look what happened. They lost the Super Bowl, so what did they go undefeated? Nobody's recognizing those Patriots because they went undefeated. They're not giving them any credit for that. What do you think about that? I mean, I, like you know, the seasons is you know, it's, it's, you have the regular season, but what we, what we was taught, every coach I had, once you make the playoffs, it's a new season. Everybody, everybody's zero and zero. 
you know. And so um, I give them credit for going undefeated, but, you know, you, nobody remembers you if you didn't win the big game. That's just how it is. That's the facts. As a player, I remember, I would say that's a great team. They had a, you know, the Peyton Manning's great, you know, and the receivers are great. But as a fan, you look at it like you don't, you don't give credit unless you win the big game. That's just the way it is, and it sucks, but that is how it is. No, you know, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. And so uh, from my perspective, the significance of an undefeated season is irrelevant in the National Football League since you start having a Super Bowl. As long as you have a Super Bowl where before you didn't, you just had championships or whatever. They didn't have playoffs and all that. But since there now is, a, as you said, a second season, one and done. That is it. You don't have to be undefeated. You just have to bring home that world championship trophy, and we right. will recognize you for that. Because I am telling you right now, you know, so what is it, the New England Patriots, the second greatest team ever because of the fact that they went, uh, what is it, 19-0 and or 20-0 and or whatever, but didn't win the Super Bowl? No, people don't, I don't even recognize that. I don't even know how many games they won. You right. know, I just know that the Miami Dolphins were undefeated. And won the Super Bowl, so they are in that conversation as the greatest team ever because of that. But now, they had less games too. Exactly, but 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 are they the greatest team ever? Their 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 undefeated season, okay, and that Super Bowl championship gives them the right to be in any conversation there ever is because. You know, they were a part of that Super Bowl run. They weren't a team that didn't play. There was a Super Bowl. They did go undefeated and they won it, but. You know, I, you know, for the New England Patriots to be undefeated. So I guess the point that I wanted to make is I think people should leave the Indianapolis Colts along about not going for an undefeated season because it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. And if Peyton Man would have got hurt in one of those games, they would have said they should have set him out anyway. You can't win, you know. No, no. You can't win. They would have complained if they would if he, if he would have played and got hurt, you know, anywhere, you know, so. I think they did a great job. I think New Orleans, I think it was destined for them to win. But everything that happened in New Orleans, I don't know if you're religious or not, but, you know, it seemed like, you know, the universe wanted the, uh, wanted the Saints to win. I think everybody secretly wanted the Saints to win just because everything they went through with Hurricane Katrina and everything. Well, I tell you, I want you. I, I, I want to apologize because I am spiritually connected, and that's my fault. Because if it didn't show and it didn't glow, that's my fault. So I, you, you'll know from now. Oh yeah, thank you, Jesus. I'm saved, you know. But, but let me move on, man. But I wanted to get that in because you did ask. But let, let me say something about the New Orleans Saints. I think it was destined the way. Not only did they win this game, but the way in which they won it. That they, they were down ten and zero. It was ten zip. Yeah. That, that's the that's the that's the largest comeback that any team has ever successfully right. you know done in a Super Bowl. So so Hurricane Katrina was you know the worst right. one of the worst devastations here in this in this country that we ever right. have witnessed. And you got to get props for the special teams coach. They come start off the halftime of a Super Bowl with an onside kick. <laughs> I hey. mean I've never seen. I don't know if that's the first in the history that that's happened, but I think I don't know whatever you said to those guys in the locker room at halftime worked because they came out. It was a totally different team. Well, I think they said it was the second, and 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 I think Phil Sims was the one that said that it was the second. So I'm okay. not sure, but but I'll tell you what, uh, that was a very gutsy move. But it, again, it was a true indication of the kind of team that the Saints were, and they they are. They remain to be a team that's extremely confident in their abilities. Hey, if you draw yeah. something up on the board, when you draw up on the board, you don't draw it up on the board with an if after it. You right. draw it up on the board because you expect to be successful. And they expected to be successful whenever mm -hmm. they did it. And, and one thing that's always good, and you know this from playing ball, is that if there's any 
play of which you run that's supposed to be somewhat of a trick play, the element of surprise is extremely important as to when you when it presents itself. You got to take advantage of it, and that was the greatest moment. In order for them to do it is when the when the, probably nobody expected, expected it. it right. Everybody's exactly. on the bathroom runs. You know, they, they they last commercial went off, so they thought it was cool. And, and, and you know, probably a number of people didn't see that, with the exception of the rerun. But the timing was perfect, and that's what a trick play needs to be. The timing needs to be perfect, and it was. And and again, that plays right into. You know, the whole, you know, this whole thing about New Orleans and how their season has gone and how they've won games. And they, they just did a tremendous job. And, and so, you know, I got a frat brother over there with the New Orleans Saints, you know, young fellow, their first round draft pick last year, of which I am extremely happy and proud of. Malcolm Jenkins, Rue, shout out to him. You know, he got his job done. But I, I, I will say this. I want to talk a little bit about Peyton Manning. And I want to ask you this question. You know, do you feel in your mind? that the way that game went for Peyton Manning, the impact that it had, let's say, on Drew Brees' career, will it ha- which is a very positive impact, do you think it will have the same degree of impact on Peyton's career from a negative perspective? I doubt it. Peyton Manning is a great quarterback. He's a he's a extreme competitor. He's going to come back next year and go to the playoffs, might go to the Super Bowl again. Um, he's won a Super Bowl. He's faced adversity. I think, um, you know, that interception sucked, but um, he's going to, um, you know, that's what happens. Somebody has to lose, and unfortunately he lost, and I think he's going to bounce back and have a great year and a great season next year. And, and so, and I ask that because the pundits are out there now. Now, see, what you just said about, okay, he threw the interception, okay, and, and, and you know, that wasn't really the entire game. We, we know how so many other right. plays factor into it. Right. But that is one of the plays of which they you know, will be remembered. That was probably the big play, one of the two big biggest plays of that entire game. Right. But Brett Favre, you know, Brett Favre ended his, yeah, his two years. <laughs> you see? But, but, that's how, but they want to say, see, that's the way Brett's going to be remembered because he threw the interceptions in the big game. But but Peyton Peyton gets a pass. Why why are we getting Peyton a pass? Because this is where the great ones perform. The great ones don't make that mistake. And All I right. think I know a little bit because what well, happened on the receiving end of that interception or the receiver trying to you know make that catch. But. It, it, does Peyton get a pass, or is he under the same scrutiny of all the other quarterbacks? I don't know. I don't see as, as much scrutiny on Peyton as you would see, uh, you know, certain quarterbacks like uh, Steve McNair and those guys. I don't see him beating them up on TV as much. But uh, I think he does get a pass. You know, he's you know he's a he's a Louisiana boy. Everybody loves Peyton. He's a good guy. He's a clean cut guy, and I think he does get a pass just because he's Peyton. You know, unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And I, um, you know, I. You know, quarterbacks, you know, quarterbacks, period, you know, I, I like them, but at the same time, you know, it's like, you know, they're, they're the pretty boys of the game, and, right, right, you know, they right. get all the accolades, and, you know, yeah. and, and, I, and that's okay, but, I, but I will say this, I think that Reggie w- was not able to come out of his break. And because he wasn't able to, I think that's part of the reason why he wasn't able to even even turn into a defender on the pass. But we're listening to Rail Sports on the Voice American Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back for the last segment. So, Doc, why don't you hold on, man? We'll come back. Okay. Okay. Let's go, guys. We're out of here. Take that break. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. 
just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, is here for you, the fan, to hear about and discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports. We'll discuss not only the headliners, but you'll hear some of the smaller stories that don't usually make it on the sports wires today. It's a forum for the sports fan, hosted by Joe Cribbs, a three-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. Joe is a 10-year pro football veteran, a former Southeastern Conference Most Valuable Player, and a member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Discuss the topics with Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Hey, football fans, are you ready for an intelligent discussion about the Buffalo Bills and the National Football League? Are you tired of listening to talk show hosts that have never played football? Instead of answering your questions, they prefer to listen to themselves. And when they don't like what you're saying, they just cut you off. Well, that won't happen on the Jeff Nixon Sports Report. Keep it clean, stay relatively calm and rational, and the discussion will flow well. Join Jeff Nixon Monday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports okay we're back to this real sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix living like it matters i got lionel dalton with me here of course uh uh, Lionel is a Super Bowl champion. He got one of those rings, one of those rings that I do not have. Of course, he got his with the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, one of my boys was on that team, too. One of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, Randall Cunningham, was on that team. Am I right, Doc? Yeah, Randall. Randall, Randall was there. Yeah, man. Great Randall. teammate. Oh, man, Randall, a uh, good man, great man, doing good things in the ministry out in uh, in, uh, in Vegas now. And, and speaking of a great man doing, doing good things, uh, this year's coach for the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, he, he comes in his first year doing great things in coaching. You know, uh, how can you say this is a bust for a first-year coach for the team? I mean, I think sometimes people fail to realize that, you know, sometimes teams, when when there is a change, particularly at the head coaching realm, that, that doesn't guarantee success. So I, I'm hearing people call this season a bust. For the Indianapolis coach, do you see that? 
No, I think they had a great season, especially from the coach. Being a rookie coach, going to the Super Bowl your first year, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I think he did a great job. He uh, pretty much took Tony Dungy's team and, you know, ran the same program, and they made it back to the Super Bowl. So um, I think it was a great season for the coach, especially for the head coach, and I don't see how anybody can call it a bust. Yeah, and I, I you know, and, and that's why, you know, I wanted to make sure, again, here at Voice America Sports, that, that, that we get a chance uh, you know, to give people a chance to to hear from a player's perspective because it is extreme. Like you mentioned it earlier, there are people, and I'm one of those people, that you know I play. Well, I think I played a, a, an even 100 games in the National Football League over seven years because two of those years uh, we went on strike. Um, so that's why it should have been a lot more than that. But out of a hundred games, I never play. I never played. In the Super Bowl, you know, and so I don't see how anybody could think that a team uh, that has gone to the Super Bowl and and think about considering the season as as a bust. Some of those players may never get a chance to ever get back to the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, like you said, you, you were on that chase uh, after that one Super Bowl championship you had, and and you didn't make it back. So I, I do believe that it's a little bit unfair for them to call uh, this season a bust. Uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. But let me go on. Talking about great things and great work that men are doing, i got to take the chance uh, to let you have the chance, Dal, to talk a little bit about uh, the things that you're doing in the community. I know you're doing some things in, in a nonprofit world. You're trying to get that up and run. I know you're doing some things uh, with uh, young men uh, that one day hope to, to follow in your footsteps and, and play in the National Football League. So tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing down there in the Miami area. Well, my, one of my main things now, I have a, a nonprofit organization called KidsPowerPlaySports.org. And what we do is we help kids with type 2 diabetes or kids who have, you know, just have weight, weight issues. And what we do is we go, it's mainly with low income families. So I have a nutritionist coming to the home. We teach the families how to shop, eat healthy and shop on a, with a budget. Eat healthy and shop with a budget because everybody can't afford Whole Foods because it's so expensive. We teach the family, the kids, and the parents how to read food labels. And we also have trainers if needed to work out with the kids two to three times a week. And from that, I end up uh, starting a little league football program because here in Florida, football is so competitive. A lot of the kids who are not as fast or the kids who are overweight get cut and they never get to experience football. So what I did, I created a league with no weight restrictions. And there's um, 22 kids per team. Every kid starts. And just so everybody can experience football and, you know, and get to enjoy the sport that I grew up and I got to love and I'm sure you love, you love growing up. And so I've been doing that for the last two or three years now. It's been very successful. Last year we had, um, 300 kids in our league, and uh, it was our first year to league football. We had 300 kids in our league. Last year, this time, we had zero kids signed up. We have 200 kids signed up this year already, so we're looking to expand about two or 300 kids. Wow, that's outstanding. And and you mentioned something about uh, diabetes. I'm just going to throw this out there. You may or you may not uh, be aware of the fact, but uh, Donovan McNabb's dad is, is pretty much involved and uh, creating awareness type of uh, information and, and, and opportunities for people who are suffering from diabetes. Because I think at one time, well, I think he still does continue to fight that battle. And uh, God bless him. I saw him, uh, you know, at the uh, Player Network event. He and, of course, uh, his wife and, uh, and, and all the great moms. I want to shout out to all the great moms that were at the Player Network event uh, and all the great work that they do. Uh, and also, I think um, Eddie George, who is here on our network, uh, has his own show here um, on Voice America Sports. 
uh, Eddie uh, has also brought it to the forefront, uh, a concern of obesity and diabetes as it relates to uh, a particular lot of people in the African-American community. But yes. a lot of the players, uh, uh, the athletes, the moms, some of their moms are not healthy. Uh, God rest her soul. But my mom lost a battle of diabetes and um, so I, too, am very much concerned and, and would like to work with you however I could in the future. And this is a great platform for you to get that message out there uh, to tell people. Is there a website or something that people perhaps maybe can go to to find yes, out more? Yes, um, to sign up, all you do is go to kidspowerplaysports.org, contact me, uh, let me know the city you're in, where you're at, and I can find some people to come. I can find the nutritionists and the trainer in your area, and I will send them to your house. What we do, we're trying to bring services, because I know when I grew up, my mother couldn't afford a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. You know, she couldn't afford to give me a trainer. When I grew up, we just went outside and played. But these kids now, they don't go outside and play. No, they do So not. You, sometimes you need, they need a little, they need a coach. You know, so uh, a lot of times I try to get former players or someone in the area that I know. If not, I get a trainer to come out, and I get the nutritionist to come out. And, and she makes it fun. They teach food preparation, and we have games for the kids to play. They get, them, you know, the activities to get them going. And um, it's fun. And um, it's fun, and it's great, and it's, um, it's a great life experience. What I'm trying to do is empower kids to have make better food choices. Because the, the problem is education. Kids, we don't know what we're eating. We don't know what they put in our foods now. The problem now is a lot of our food, now are genetically modified, so they don't have the enzymes, all the stuff that they had in food when we grew up. That's why everybody has acid reflux and all these issues now with the body because we're not getting all the nutrition that we need from our food now. And so I'm just trying to make everybody aware of that because um, the uh, FDA is approving so many different products they put in our foods, but they're unhealthy for our bodies. And I'm just trying to educate people on, just so they can know what's going on and what they put in their bodies. Well, just about everything that I can think of in this world that is important to us, you know, will get to us through some form of education, and somebody has to share that information. And as I said, I want to do everything I can to help uh, create a platform uh, for you where you can continue to provide that information and to spread that information, that knowledge across the world, not just locally, but here at Voice America Sports, uh, people can hear you all over the world. So as we say, the world is listening. Speak up. The world is listening. I just want to thank you, Dolph, for being with me. Again, that's Lionel Dalton, uh, defensive tackle, Super Bowl defensive tackle, of course, for the Baltimore Ravens. And I uh, want to thank him for being a friend and uh, for being for on, the show. on the show. Okay, so I'll get back to you. i got a couple minutes. Dolph, thank you, man. I'll, I'll give you a call after the show. So, um, God bless. Yep. Thank you. Bless you, too. Wow. Man, that, that, that's wonderful. You know, whenever you get a chance to speak to a friend, another fraternity brother of the National Football League, and you can help support him and he can support you, that is, that is great. And, and for me, it's always good to, to talk to somebody and find out what that experience was like to be a Super Bowl champion, something I never had a chance to do. And that's what I always want to make sure that we continue to bring you here on Voice America Sports is give it to you from a player's perspective of what it's like to play the game because as we always say you know the next best thing to playing the game and winning is playing the game and losing because some people never get to play the game and we just want to share that experience with you because there's none other like what we do here at voice america sports hey what they say speak up the world is listening you're listening to rail sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix living like it matters i was in Miami at the Player Network event, the 10th anniversary, and it was outstanding. Shout out to Guy Troop and Troop 21. It's time for me to go. I'll see you next time, which will be the best time.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.